coming up on Rediscovered. Let's go, go, Hey, the gang's all here. There's Jake, the leader of the pack. The Ghostbusters have arrived. Eddie, a champion of bravery. Ghost? Tracy, the strongest ape in the world. And the rest of the Ghostbusting team, forever fighting crime evil and his ghoulish gang. Take that! Join America's favorite Ghostbusters. Join the Ghostbusters, weekdays at 3 on Channel 17. Welcome to Rediscovered, a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run or missed us altogether. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. Welcome everyone to the Rediscover the 80s podcast and episode number five of Rediscovered, our journey to review obscure and overlooked TV shows, movies, and cartoons from the 80s. I am one of your hosts, Jason, and with me on this journey is my bud Wyatt. How are you, sir? Great. How are you? I'm fine. Glad to be back in our little rediscovered saddles and riding on down the road towards obscurity (laughs) that's exactly what it is i don't know if i remembered much of this but we'll get into the to the episode here in just a little bit yeah uh like you heard in the intro we are talking about filmation's ghostbusters and while it's not i wouldn't call it necessarily obscure um i think it is overlooked just for the fact that the what I would call the real Ghostbusters, <laughs> the cartoon, and obviously the the two films in the eighties, uh, and how it overshadowed uh, the filmation Ghostbusters. So we are going to go back, and we're just going to take a little snippet of that sixty-five episode run. We're going to review the first five episodes, which was kind of a mini series that kicked off everything. And I don't know why do you think. Uh, I mean, it is overlooked, but uh, why do you think we kind of landed on this one? What was it about it maybe that piqued your interest into going back and rewatching? I think that it was more overlooked. I'd call it almost obscure because it was dwarfed by the popularity of the the, what we would call the real Ghostbusters. I think that's what they call the cartoon version is called the real Ghostbusters. Because you you got the the classic Ecto one and you got the foursome Ghostbusters going out and and then we have a cartoon that breaks out then Ghostbusters two, and it was a, kind of like a this onslaught of Ghostbusters Ghostbusters and Ecto one and mm-hmm. and Slimer and that cast, and then you have this little guy over here with well three Ghostbusters and a transforming car but. Okay, where did it go? It showed up on a cartoon. I don't mm-hmm. recall if it was a Saturday morning cartoon, if it was one of those uh, oddballs that happened to actually show up during the day on uh, you know Nickelodeon or mm-hmm. wherever. But it was just there, and then this just kind of like disappeared into the night, and you didn't hear about it again. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, why we picked it, is because it was dwarfed from the other characters. Yeah. yeah, and we'll get into kind of what we remember about it but um that's probably the main reason and 
it's like one of those memories of, yeah, I remember it, but I don't remember any kind of story. Uh, I remember a few of the characters, but not really their names. (laughs) And yeah, it was just so overshadowed and it was a syndicated show. So it wasn't on your Saturday mornings. I don't think it was even, it might not have been on like in the afternoons after school. It might've been like a Saturday afternoon or something. I I don't know exactly when it was running uh, or what it was running with. So we'll get into a little bit of his broadcast history and see if we can't remember exactly what was going on with it. But we'll go through uh, just a little bit of our experience and and memories of it. It it debuted back in first-run syndication in September of 1986. So this was about a year, I think, before... I'll have to look this up. I, I think it was about a year before the real Ghostbusters cartoon hit, or maybe it was just before... But um, it was created by Filmation, like we mentioned, who did Masters of the Universe, Fat Albert, Brave Star, the Star Trek animated series. Um, we all know and love most of those shows. Remember that style. You know, it's He-Man, and you think of that style of the show. You know, you can really see that as you're watching mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. As far as my experience goes, I do remember watching some episodes back in the day. Uh, I think uh, it might have been you or maybe our mutual friend that had the ghost buggy toy. And yep. then I remembered the little transformation sequence that they have most every episode. Those are the main things that I remembered what do you remember i guess or did you remember watching it at all back in the day i know that i watched it and i there was a part of me that liked it kind of like our discussion about mario and and sonic which did we like better at times and i think it flip-flopped but i liked it because of the transforming car but i honestly when i watched it i was trying to recall kind of did a brief what do i remember of this show nothing no, I was like complete <laughs> blank. But the moment I started watching it, even the intro and all that, it's mm-hmm. like, it was like my, the, my mind turned on and it goes, yep. I remember the, the transformation sequence. I remember everything, but I'm still dumbfounded about the car. I always <laughs> thought they entered the car, not from the top and being dropped in for some reason in my head, I have this vision that they, they came out like a side door and got slid into the car. Hmm. I don't know where that came from. Maybe I'm mixing up with some other cartoon back in the day. Mm-hmm. But that aside, I like I said, before watching it, the only thing I remember seeing was the, the classic car and then it transformed. After that, clueless. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's probably about what I remembered then. Just the a few little details some i've probably got wrong as well about the show and uh we're lucky though that it's available over there on youtube they like have an an official they call it the original ghostbusters youtube channel and it's been nice to at least have access like that to it there's a lot of shows back from the 80s now that have their own youtube channel the smurfs um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I think there's a Voltron channel that mm-hmm. shows episodes. So it's nice that these properties are releasing episodes to YouTube 
that you can watch. And it's not necessarily one of these real obscure shows that also maybe had some copyright problems and not able to get it up there and available to everybody, you know, kind of in a easy fashion. So that's where we would recommend people go and rediscover the show for yourselves. Just go over there to YouTube. But we do have, we wanted to go and show the intro and why it's going to do that for us uh, via the screen share, just so everybody can have eyes on it uh, while we're going through the podcast here. So whenever you're ready there, bud, we'll take a look at the intro and that awesome theme song. So there is the intro to the Ghostbusters from Filmation. And I'm going to kick it over to you that we can talk about the development a little bit of the show. Uh, Let's see. So Filmation Ghostbusters was based on a live action Ghostbusters show from 1975. Bumbling detective show targeted to kids and produced by Filmation. Had you ever watched that? No. And I wanted to before we did this. So I could actually speak to it. Yeah, I have not uh, watched it myself. I was curious. I didn't even think to uh, run a search on YouTube to see if there might be some episodes over there. But There is a one that I saw, and, and it's on the sidebar, you know, just like you get hooked on something yeah. and something. It was there. I saw like a live action. And I have meant to go back to it and never, just never did. Okay. But uh, then that, when Columbia Pictures started producing the film Ghostbusters in 1984, it neglected the fact that Filmation had already produced a live-action comedy series with that same name in 1975. Columbia agreed to license the name from Filmation for $500,000 plus 1% of the profits. Animation rights were not included in the deal, which prompted the real Ghostbusters based on the film and filmation developing their series based on 1975 live action show. Yeah. I had read a little bit about that and I don't know if there was just a, if there was a lawsuit involved or something, but it's interesting that they just went for it and didn't really, uh, acknowledge the old series. And I think maybe it did go to litigation or threaten litigation. And then they, came up with this deal, but uh, I've read 
later on uh, in that article that Lou Scheimer, who was the producer, creator, filmation there, pretty much regretted not putting the animation rights in that deal and getting some some money out of that as well. But that's how we got the two shows. Yep. Then uh, we go on. Ghostbusters was no exception of Filmation's budget trimming methods, using, among others, an extensive sequence where they got their equipment in the ghost buggy. In the episode featuring Mm -hmm. Dracula, Filmation used the model sheets and character design of Drac from the groovy ghoulies and even used his clumsy bat transformation sequence, banging against the floor and ceiling, changing clumsily from vampire to bat. Yeah, you think about the... Well, you know, He-Man had the transformation sequence every episode. And even some of the... If you watch, like, the Fat Albert specials, which I do each year, you can see the same kind of animations of the characters walking down the street. And Filmation, there was no secret that they used the same sequences throughout the show and just changed backgrounds or whatever they needed to. But it worked to the fact that... That was something that never bothered me as a kid. And just having that consistency, like we miss when we talk in our mask reviews about how they do the little introduction of the agents. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's it's something familiar each episode that you get to see. And uh, I think it helped more than hurt that I they agree. used those same sequences. Each episode of Filmation's Ghostbusters used a catchphrase, Let's go, Ghostbusters! (laughs) Well, you know, back, you know, Voltron, I loved it. Let's go, Voltron Force! And then they would form. You know, I I actually like that little, lack of a better term, cheering teamwork thing before they... Right. (laughs) I got got an Al Bundy moment that said to me, Let's go, Bundys! Or something like that. Uh, uh, lastly, like almost all 1980s filmation cartoons, each episode closes with a segment describing a particular lesson that can be learned from the events of the episode. Skelevision, sometimes accompanied by Belfry, is the character most often employed in this role. From time to time, Jake, Eddie Jr., or another protagonist would talk with Skelevision to about the lesson. At least they made sense and correlated it. Unlike our yeah. other entity, Mask, where they never correlated, maybe once or twice. Yeah, it was few and far between. We didn't get the chance to see that in the mini series that we're covering tonight. Um, at least I didn't no. catch uh, lessons at the end of those. So it must have been after this that they started incorporating that. But you got that with He-Man. One of the characters always stopped. And this happened in this episode today. And this is why you should... You know, do this or that. So, and it was part of that whole scheme. <laughs> I call it a scheme, but the uh, the law they kind of passed to say, hey, these cartoons can be, you know, 20-minute toy commercials, but you've got to show a little value in them. You know, the main motivation can be to sell toys, but you need to show value in the episodes with these little PSAs that appeared from time to time in, in these cartoons. So, uh, and, v- and filmation did that with a lot of their, a lot of their shows. 
Well, going over to the like broadcast history and home video history, uh, like I said, originally ran September to December in 1986. That was its first run, the 65 episodes. And just as a uh, reference point, you know, 65 is set up to run five days a week. So this would have had to have been either an, an afternoon show or, or something where you're going to get five episodes in a week. And then it would cycle. That's uh, 13 weeks to complete the whole series. And then you could do that four times a year. So that's why the 65 is significant back in the day on these uh, syndicated programs. But it, it did make it to VHS. Uh, there was... Uh, there were uh, two episode video cassettes produced by Celebrity Video in 1986 in the U.S. And then Video Gems did it for the U.K. In, from 87 to 91. And then uh, we did get a DVD release. A two-volume set back in 2007 by BCI Ink and Paint. Each episode was uncut, remastered, and story continuity order. So it wasn't necessarily the order that you got in syndication. And then each set also featured extensive special features like uh, interviews, commentary, image galleries, bonus episodes, and more. So unlike many of the uh, BCI Filmation releases, with the exception of two episodes, the DVD set appears to have been sourced from the original prints, which is nice. So you're getting uh, quality there with your DVD. Uh, as of 2009, however, these releases have been discontinued and are out of print. So, the BCI company that originally released the DVD set, it ceased operations. So, we, we don't have these DVDs anymore. So, if you have one, you're lucky. <laughs> um, I did find some on Amazon, but it, the pricing was astronomical. So, what you can find, though, on Amazon is a uh, two DVD releases, each with eight episodes. And this is through Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. Uh, when I was searching on Amazon just here last week, one was $8 and one was $5. So for 13 bucks, you can get 16 episodes on DVD if that's something you want to go out and buy. And then, like we said, the streaming is right over there on YouTube on the original Ghostbusters channel. And you can see, I'm pretty sure every episode is available over there. Plus they have like one hour compilations. So though I'm not sure if there's uh, any rhyme or reason to the episodes they're pairing up for an hour. But you think about that, you're probably going to get about three episodes. And it could be just clips. Uh, I didn't go out there and watch one of the compilations, but it might be just clips strung together on a particular subject or character that uh, appeared throughout the series. So that's the uh, broadcast history and home video release uh, history as well. Well, uh, now we're up to the merchandise. I'll let Wyatt go through some of these, and I've got some visuals actually for us on the comic books, but... We did get toys. We did, which I didn't actually remember. You said you remember our mutual friend having. I don't remember knowing that it actually had toys. Yeah. But uh, Shaper released f the first set of toys in 1996. Let's go, 
Let's go! Ghostbuster toys, so much fun, it's spooky. Play Ghostbusters. Let's go! With your own play figures. Come on there, Ghostbusters. Jake has a magic backpack and ghost gun. Primeval has a real cape. Look out, humans! Ah! Pull yourself together, you rusty wreck! Ghostbuster figures from Shopper. So much fun, it's spooky. And we got the figures of Jake, Eddie, Tracy, Futura, Jessica, Belfry, Batarat. Yeah, that was like a double. There's the they were smaller figures, so they put them, they packaged them together. Right. Primeval, Scared Stiff, Mysteria, Fangster, Hunter, and Fibface. <laughs> And then for the vehicles and sets, we got the Ghost Buggy, Time Hopper, the Scare Scooter, Ghost Command, and Bone Trawler. Yeah. I, like I said, I do remember somebody having the Ghost Buggy because I remember it could... I don't know if the nose you took out and put the other nose in, you know, when he goes like the uh, time travel mode <laughs> and right. starts flying. And I do remember the... Like the wheels and stuff, they have them in those long extensions that you can turn them around and pull the wings out. Yeah, so I, I can't remember if that was our mutual friend or who exactly had the ghost buggy. But I was looking over there. There's a website. It might have been just like the Ghostbusters wiki that had pictures of a lot of these vehicles. And they had the full ghost command, you know, which is the the house, the headquarters of the Ghostbusters. And then the bone trawler is the organ the you know the big set for prime evil they looked really cool and if i had been you know more into the show i can definitely see me circling those in like the sears wish book because they do look pretty awesome but yeah that was surprising that they well i guess not surprising but it's um nice that they did so many figures in just like one wave because you think, well, we're you know we're going to do this series. We're ordering sixty five episodes. We hope it's a hit, but you know maybe we'll just get like five or six figures to start and uh, maybe the ghost buggy or something. But right. it sounded like that they just kind of released everything in one kind of push, which I I could be wrong about that, but they look pretty cool and then the comics i happen to have the the comics they were published by first comics back in 1987 of course based on the show it was originally intended as a six issue series but we only got four issues the uh, unpublished issues were actually available in germany some overseas so the uh, UK actually did numerous issues and they reprinted them in like a hardcover annual for uh, the Filmation Ghostbusters annual back in 87. But I've got all four. I'm going to show you here if I can. I've got all four issues of the U.S. comics. And these are interesting. I go back and, you know, like I, I try to find comics that are a short run like this and try to collect them all. And I was thinking, well, maybe they based this on the miniseries or something. No, it's uh, it's like their own little episodes in each one. But they, the unique thing that I don't see much in comics, they wanted kids to really interact with these. Oh, there's the Ghost Command. That looks cool. And I'll uh, I'll show you like if you'll kick it back over to me. 
they did like mazes and puzzle games and all kinds of stuff in these comics to yeah. have the kids uh, interact with them and interact with the characters. There's a there was a maze there. There's like a cryptic. You gotta figure out the uh, the letters in the puzzle there according to a cipher. And then uh, there's even I think it's at the end. Yes, at the end of this book, they show you how to draw them. Which is really cool. So, and then at the very, like, last page, or or towards the back of these, they'll have you the little answer key. So, it was neat. It was almost like, you know, remember those uh, highlights magazines back in the day? Yeah. That you could, uh, I always saw them at the, you know, doctor's office. But they were more interactive, and they had stories and little characters in there you could follow along. But uh, yeah, man, you're showing uh, a lot of the the toys there. Man, that looks really this good. A, yeah, this isn't a very crisp photo, but you can see Primeval and the organ that he uses to transport through time and the ghost buggy. Here you were saying about a German uh, entity. This is actually from the Netherlands. But here's the house, yeah. the, the ghost command rather, and the buggy. Uh, I just saw someone's collection right here mm-hmm. where you, you were saying you don't know if you popped off the head to for the airplane mode. Well, here it is. It mm-hmm. looks like a shark on this side. <laughs> but you got Tracy and the whole gang just sitting there. It's really cool what they came yeah. up with. Yeah. I'm fascinated that they had this. I, I, I don't remember our mutual friend Leaf having this. Yeah, well, then maybe it was somebody else that I knew that was over at their house and, and got to check it out. But, yeah, very colorful. Uh, a lot of classic characters with uh, the kind of a new spin on them, you know, as you're watching this. You know, you got the, like, almost the classic Universal monsters, the werewolf character, the mummy character, you know, and they put their own spin on them. Right. So let's kind of go through like the synopsis of the show. Uh, basically, the plot, the origin story is is what we watched, and then we'll go through uh, the characters too, and then we'll get into the the mini series itself. So, tell us a little bit about the plot there. We got Jake Kong Jr. and Eddie Spencer Jr. are the sons of the original Ghostbusters from the live action series of the same name. Tracy the Gorilla worked with their fathers. Their headquarters, termed Coast Command, is located in a haunted mansion nestled between a number of tall skyscrapers, which resemble the World Trade Center's Twin Towers in New York City, which I actually didn't make that out, but okay. I just yeah. saw lots of lots of big buildings. It's kind of like, uh, oh, what's the movie? It was a cartoon back in the day that did the same thing. They were trying to bulldoze the, the house out. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Anyway. They are supported by a number of secondary characters, including Antibone, a talking skull phone. I thought his name was Answer Phone. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Skelevision, which was a talking skeleton television. Belfry, a pink talking bat. And Ghost Buggy, their talking ghost car. They occasionally enlist the aid of Futura, a time traveling ghostbuster from the future. And Jessica Ray, a local TV news reporter, which Jake seems to have a little fling with. Yes. <laughs> well, he was uh, he was kind of mushy there with uh, 
Futura as well in our episode. So very true. Jake is a player. <laughs> Together, they have dedicated themselves to ridding the world of the evil ghost wizard Prime Evil and his cast of henchmen. Prime Evil's headquarters, termed Haunt Quarters, which resembles the British Houses of Parliament, complete with a Big Ben esque clock tower, is located in the fifth dimension. In a typical episode, Prime Evil uses his magical powers to open up a wormhole to enable one or more of his henchmen to complete a particular scheme that serves to help him take over the world. Sounds familiar. Yep, kind of typical. <laughs> I Famous, did like I did sorry, like the uh, headquarters, the haunt quarters, I'll say, and just that whole setup and his the uh, the organ there. I can't remember what we called it now, but um, I don't know. I just like the character and how they infused a little bit of a uh, robot and a classic kind of monster all together in one, and made that uh, the bone troller. That's what we I think you call the uh, the uh, organ. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I don't know. I just like the design and uh, gave it that kind of medieval almost impression i guess is what they were gonna going for but very fun design it was i completely what he forgot who he was you know <laughs> famous guest star ghosts and monsters that appeared on this show include count dracula who is actually a vampire and the headless horseman so that leads <laughs> us on to our casting characters which was actually pretty cool and i had to do some research because i like i thought i recognized a few voices yes yeah i definitely did and obviously filmation you're going to get some of those same voices that were on he-man and and even fat albert and some of the other ones but hey rich the ghostbusters they can't come to the phone right now ghostbusters it's filmation's ghostbusters Jake, Eddie, and Tracy. They're guaranteed to scare you silly. I'll be reporting live from Liberty Island. With the help of TV newswoman Jessica Ray and future sorceress Futura, the Ghostbusters will track their prey to the ends of the earth and beyond. Haunt Quarters. Home to ghosts, goblins, and gremlins. Their leader is the awesome Prime Evil. I, Prime Evil, shall use every ounce of my wondrous wickedness to once and for all demonstrate my mastery over those measly mortals. At Haunt Quarters, you never know who might drop in. (laughs) Ghosts like Mysteria, Mistress of Mists. (laughs) Well, hello. Oh, darling, you gorgeous ghost, you. Fangster, the werewolf of the future. <coughs> that bolt-brained robotic ghost scared stiff. 
Oh, I w- wish you wouldn't call me Bolt Brain. The Haunter. <laughs> Wonderful, old boy. I warned you about calling me Old Boy Haunter. Primeval's tattletale pet, Bratterack, loves to see the others do the dirty work. Primeval dispatches his ghosts through the stairway to the time or place of his choosing. But whether it be the past, the present, or the future, the Ghostbusters stand ready to meet any challenge. We'll start off with Jake. He's uh, Jake Kong Jr., son of the original Ghostbuster, Jake Kong. And he's the kind of the leader of the Ghostbusters, uh, somewhat like his father was in the episodes. I think they were more of a team, the dads. He's often responsible for coming up with ideas to solve the difficult ghostbusting problems. And his nose twitches when ghosts are nearby. <laughs> I thought that was a fun little thing. Yeah. Uh, he is voiced by Pat Fraley. Now, Pat Fraley... He was the voice probably best known for several on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was Krang, he was Casey Jones, and Baxter Stockman on the original animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. So I did uh, I did hear a little bit of that in there from time mm-hmm. to time. And he does some other characters that we'll get to as well, where I heard his voice more related to the characters on the Turtles. Uh, then we got Eddie Spencer Jr. He is the son of the original Eddie Spencer from the Ghostbusters, obviously. Eddie is often frightened by ghosts, and though he means well, he is a bit of a klutz and frequently fumbles things up. He is voiced by the voice of Optimus Prime, Peter Cullen, which is actually hilarious. I showed this <laughs> episode to my son, the first one, and uh-huh. he laughed hilariously when they did the changing scene you hear a uh, peter cullen just uh, ah, uh, he just laughed <laughs> hilariously i'm like this is actually good and it's fun to see i mean we've talked to voice actors obviously now yeah. it's fun to see the dynamics of people you know you got optimus prime the leader he also voices ironhide basically the side side armor yeah. optimus but then you see him voicing a bumbling character that has basically almost no clue yeah, it's just cool, and obviously they're reading a script and changing their voice slightly, but it's still cool nonetheless to see them do that change of room. Yeah, and if you would have, you know, told me beforehand or asked me beforehand who I thought the voice was, I would not have guessed no. Peter Cullen no. for Eddie. So this is uh, really, uh, like you said, it's more, it's an, it's an outreach from what he did in Transformers. Not just in the character itself, but just the voice style. And, you know, you always think of Peter Cullen, you think of Optimus Prime and that bold voice. So him doing something like this, where he's scared and frightened and you hear those higher reflections, it's it's hard to pick him out, I think. So mm-hmm. that was a that was a surprise when I read that for the first time. And then we got Tracy the Gorilla. Tracy is extremely smart and credited with inventing all of the ghost-busting gadgets and would often construct one to help get out of a bad situation. Tracy is also very powerful and uses his strength to get out of tight spots. And then unlike the live-action series, 
where he only wore various hats. In this series, he wears a fedora. He gets the backpack and the shorts, almost like the you know the similar style to the Ghostbusters uniforms. Right. And he's voiced by Lou Scheimer. Lou Scheimer, obviously, like I said, he's kind of the godfather of filmation. You probably recognize him as Dumb Donald yep. and Fat Albert. He did some voices. He wasn't usually one of the main characters in these shows, but he did contribute some voice work. Well, it was interesting. I'm watching. I was into the third episode when it dawned on me because the the intro, in a way, with him going ooh, 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 was kind of lame. I realize it's part of the characters or whatever, but I'm like, this is just retarded. And then I see why <laughs> it kind of clicked on the third episode. You see him, uh, Tracy. And then you see the credits for Lou, and uh-huh. he's the only one that has the signed thing. I'm like, and I had to dig and saw the credits at the end that he was the uh-huh. voice of it. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Why? <laughs> and then we got Belfry, who is a pink colored bat who can emit a sonic scream. Belfry calls it the Belfry Blast. He is sometimes tagged along on Ghostbusting Adventures, but often he is told it could be too dangerous. Belfry has three cousins, a southern bat named Beauregard, a <laughs> Brooklyn bat named Rafter, and an English bat named Yves. Yves? I don't know. Sure. I'll, yeah. go, I'll go with that. Eves. Ives. Or Ives. Yeah. <laughs> we are not of the English-British-speaking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I still remember to this day, probably a haunting thing in high school, saying I, but when you see it in the word, it's AI? Yay? Oh, what is it? <laughs> anyway. Belfry resembles Piglet from Winnie the Pooh, but is voiced by Susan Blue, best known as being RC from the Transformers. And I mm-hmm. picked her voice out right away when she started talking as Belfry. Yeah. I'm like, that's RC. Couldn't remember the person, but I remember. Hey, that's RC. Yeah. Her voice kind of sticks out to me as uh, some of the kids and the younger characters on He-Man yeah. uh, when I hear her voice. So I know she contributed over there as well. And she's also Futura, mm-hmm. who is a alluring purple-skinned woman from the future, who is a Ghostbuster in her own time. Futura has a flying scooter named the Time Hopper and can predict what is going to happen in the present time, as well as she can be telekinetic. She also seems to have a crush on Jake which we saw in our episodes, often complimenting him on how he looks and periodically kissing him, much to his delight. And in her own original design, Futura was an African-American with long, light brown hair. So I wonder why they made that change. Yeah. But like I said, it was uh, Susan Blue who did Futura. She also did Jessica Ray, the TV news reporter, which I recognized all three voices. <laughs> Yep. It's funny how some of them don't change very much. Just saying. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, she often reports on the events the Ghostbusters will go investigate and sometimes accompanies them. Jake seems to have a crush on her and she for him. She was originally had blonde hair in her initial design, which she now has more of a, I call it an auburn, almost a reddish brown hair. Yeah. There's a lot of elements in this show. I mean, you would think of that as a, uh... Maybe a take on, well, I guess it would be before that time, what was uh, April on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's some of these elements in there that makes this show a, a different kind of mix. 
of characters. Then we have Madam Y, who is a fortune-telling Roma woman who speaks in a European accent, resides in a wagon, and occasionally assists the Ghostbusters. And she was voiced by Linda Gary. Now, Linda Gary, we would definitely know. She was uh, Tila, Evelyn, and the Sorceress in Masters of the Universe. I was reading about her I, when I was going over there. I saw that she died young. Uh, I think she had brain cancer or something like that. Uh, very sad. Did not get a chance to you know, make this truly a career. Uh, but you, just hearing her voices and all these, you think it would have been a, a long one, you know, past filmation and and all that back in the 80s that she could have had a longer career. So, yeah. Then we have the Ghost Buggy or GB, who is the Ghostbusters Southern accent talking car that can assume many forms of transportation, including a train complete with graffiti on the sides. I don't remember seeing that. Must have <laughs> yeah, been a we didn't episode. see that. Yeah, did not see that in the first one. Uh, well, I, I've actually gone through. I, I think it was up to episode 20 or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I actually got it hooked. And then <laughs> uh, along with the ability to travel through time, Ghost Buggy is often found sleeping in Ghost Command's garage and gets annoyed when the Ghostbusters land on him. His face is the ghost shown in the series logo, voiced by Pat Fraley. Right. Yep. Yeah, that uh, it's funny. You know, you go through that whole sequence, and usually the difference is once they get to Ghost Buggy and he will come up with some little quip there <laughs> when they land on top of him and expect him to get going, you know, disturbing his nap. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, also in the series is Corky, which is Jessica's young nephew. He wears an orange shirt with the Ghostbusters logo on it. He was voiced by Erica Scheimer, who is Lou's daughter. And she did several supporting voices, uh, mainly in the Masters of the Universe. Then we got Ansibone is <laughs> Ghost Command's talking skull phone when the Ghostbusters get a call for help. Ansibone will usually make it hard for them to answer the phone and will give the caller a sarcastic message. Example, Hey, you've reached the Ghostbusters, and you're in luck. They're not here. Or <laughs> whatever else comes to mind. That was also voiced by Lou Scheimer. That was a fun little running gag. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, it was uh, just something that <laughs> you're trying to help somebody, but yet the your own equipment's working against you. <laughs> uh, and then uh, speaking of Lou Scheimer, he also did Skelevision. It was the talking skeleton television. And Skelevision often shows the Ghostbusters the problem that they will have to face and is very often the one who talks about the lesson that can be learned at the end of each episode. In this case, he was showing them Primeval and what he was doing while they were trying to figure out the puzzle of this, these stones that they had to put together. So it's... It seems that he could look into the future, the past, wherever he needed to, which right. is fun. Then we got Skelevator is Ghost Command's bony elevator with a mind of its own. Primary transport for the Ghostbusters to change into their Ghostbusting attire. A portable version is used when the Ghostbusters are on location while tracking ghosts. And it's voiced by Erica Scheimer. Mm -hmm. I haven't got to the portable unit yet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she also did the shock clock, which is uh, Ghost Command's talking cuckoo clock. I don't right. think we saw that one. 
But I'll jump on to uh, Merlin here, mm-hmm. who was part of the miniseries, of course, the famed wizard of King Arthur's era, who uh, had previously crossed paths with Prime Evil. He was voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, who would go on to be actually do Merlin in another show, The Legend of Prince Valiant, but we know him as Skeletor from yep. Masters of the Universe. And he had a little apprentice named Fuddy in our miniseries. Right, and that is Merlin's apprentice, like you said. Uh, when the full moon is out, Jake is able to chant and call him for help by casting a magic spell, which rarely works the way it's supposed to. Similar to Orko from He-Man, though he sounds like Cal from She-Ra. And he is voiced by Lou Scheimer. He has a lot yep. of voices in this. I didn't realize he voiced a lot. <laughs> right. Uh, we just got a few more for you. We've got the fathers, Jake and Eddie, that were in our miniseries. They were the original Ghostbusters. And uh, they are voiced as the same actors as Jake and Eddie, Pat Fraley and Peter Cullen, respectively. Mm-hmm. And there was enough of a change there. Now, I, this seemed to be like Peter Cullen's regular voice when he did Eddie Sr. Yeah. That I did pick up on more than when it was just uh, the sons, you know? Right. So I thought they did a, a pretty good job with the difference here. Then we got Skeloscope which is Ghost Command's talking telescope, voiced by Pat Fraley. And finally, Time Hopper, who is Futura's hover scooter. GB has a crush on her, but <laughs> she doesn't feel the same. And she's voiced by Susan Blue. Yeah, we saw that a few times throughout the mm-hmm. miniseries that uh, GB is always not far behind the <laughs> Time Hopper. <laughs> So now let's get over to the villains, which were really fun. Of course, like we talked about, Prime Evil, he's the primary villain. He's a wizard. He always appears to be a robot with like an android-like human skull and then garbed with his red robe. Prime Evil has many evil powers, including the ability to shoot energy bolts from his fingers. His minions often find themselves getting zapped when they do not exceed in stopping the ghost... (laughs) Busters. Uh, (laughs) I can't get over that. Every time he says that, he's just frustrated. (laughs) He encounters the Ghostbusters in the first episode. However, they outsmarted him and they imprisoned him for a hundred years until he escaped. We'll get into that as we get into the episodes here. But yeah, this is, (laughs) he has the hard time saying Ghostbusters and he calls them ghost blisters, ghost buzzards, ghost brats, ghost bozos. Busting goons and bunglers. Uh, his original design resembled more of Mumra from the Thundercats. And he was voiced also by Alan Oppenheimer, who we know as Skeletor. So it did feel a lot like Skeletor with the addition to the, you know, that yep. he does when he's <laughs> voicing the character. But, um, I liked him. I, I thought it was a, like I said, it's just a fun character design. Yeah, I like it. And he is that Skeletor of this crew of villains, definitely. Yeah. Now that takes us to Bratarat, a pot-bellied, legless, flying rat uh, with an elongated nose, a lizard-like body, and an acute squint in one eye. <laughs> he has no magic powers other than levitation since he has no wings. 
serves as Primeval's right hand and tattletale. His name is loosely based on Bert Bacharach, and Bacharach, is also yeah. a ma- is that what how okay yeah, and is also a master keyboard player, voiced by Peter Cullen, and that's shocking. I mean, I I did look at the cast before this, mm-hmm. but to hear him go, yeah, boss, yeah, I just can't see it. Yeah, there's a. It, this is fun just hearing all the different voices for Peter Cullen because he didn't get that, like I said, in, in no. his other uh, series. Uh, up next, one of the main villains you'll see is Scared Stiff, a robot skeleton, and he's, I guess, similar to C-3PO, if you think about it. Uh, easily frightened, often zapped to pieces by Primeval, or falls apart on the count of his own fright, and I guess the, the pilot appearance, he was a little stockier than, I guess, in the regular series, but he was a fun character voiced by Pat Fraley. We got Fangster next. He is a werewolf from the future who wears high-top gym shoes mm-hmm. and voiced by Alan Oppenheimer in a style similar to Cringer from He-Man. I did hear that. And then we got Haunter, who is the civilized hunter of haunted prey. He resembles like a safari hunter with an English accent. He often gets caught in trouble for calling Prime Evil Old Boy or Old Bean or other English endearments. According to the DVD guidebook, the hunter's speech, mannerisms, and appearance are based on a actor, Terry Thomas. So you'll have to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, He's got the monocle, you know, that's just that traditional kind of English safari hunter. Probably Prime Evil's most loyal, as he has never sided with what is Big Evil. Anyway, oh, that's um, Big Evil, I've I've seen him. He's a he's like a super leader above Prime Evil. That later okay, comes out. yeah. So um, yeah, that was also voiced by Peter Cullen. So he got a Peter Cullen with an English accent. <laughs> then we have Mysteria, Mistress of Mists, resembles Morticia from. The Adams family wearing a long black hairstyle. She has power over mist and is known for calling people darling. She <laughs> is also known for her extreme vanity. Originally had a human appearance and a long red dress. She is voiced by Linda Gary in a manner similar to evil Lynn from He-Man. Mm-hmm. Definitely heard that. We got Sir Trancelot. A bad knight to one and all. He's like a skeleton knight of the round table, you'll say. He's got that old school like mustache, and he rides a skeleton horse named Frightmare. Wields the trance lance that fires beams that induce sleep. And uh, his name is obviously a reference to Sir Lancelot. Mm-hmm. Voiced by Lou Scheimer. And then we have Apparitia, Spirit Sorceress Supreme. A vampish sorceress who talks like Mae West, and like her name implies, she can conjure up all sorts of apparitions. She wears a sleeveless red dress with long green hair, thus giving her a similar look to Eris, the Greek goddess of discord. And she is voiced by Linda Gary. Yeah, definitely that Mae West impression. Ooh, come up and see me sometime, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was uh, the kind of cast of characters and their voice actors. Just well, even before we get into our our final verdict here, I thought they did a great job. I thought the the voice oh, yeah. 
voices were really fun. Um, so let's get into the episodes. We, like I said, we did the first five episodes. Uh, they were titled "I'll Be a Son of a Ghostbuster." Uh, episode two was "Frights of the Round Table." Three was "No Pharaoh at All." Then the secrets of Mastodon Valley, and finally the ones who saved the future. So we get this long kind of tale. Time travel is involved, going back and forth, and like we, you know, hinted at uh, earlier. The whole plot revolves around the sons rescuing the fathers, and they have this little meetup with Prime Evil in the beginning, and they trick him to into this like cave, and there's <laughs> there's a safe in there. I I didn't understand this whole setup. Uh, you know, no. there's a cave in the middle of nowhere, and it's got a safe in there that you can lock. Um, but anyway, so they trick him. He's in there for a hundred years. He comes out. Of course, the uh, the Ghostbusters are dead and gone by then, <laughs> but he decides to go back into the past to essentially get even with them. And they do that by kidnapping the dads as they sleep and then they hide them. But there's these uh, little clues left behind in the form of stones that they have to gather, get the message from these stones, kind of solve the riddle and find where their dads are being held up. I don't know what I, I guess. Just give me your first impression of uh, the the first episode and the origin story and how they kick things off. Oh, being children of the eighties, it's kind of funny that he wanted to go back to nineteen eighties. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. We keep saying we want to go back to the eighties, and this guy, cartoon character <laughs> fictional, wanted to go back there, but he wanted to do it to get back at the original Ghostbusters instead of, you know, just starting fresh starting new and here we go he wanted to go back to square it up so i guess to prevent future future problems but it was actually impressive i i liked it the safe the vault whatever in the middle of the sewers i don't know where they were (laughs) was odd but a lot of things were odd in the 80s i mean how many times have we nitpicked mass cast to the t with all their episodes yeah the animation i i liked i know that they recycled a lot but i liked the detail they actually had if you paid attention the eyes blinked mm-hmm. they actually blinked the character eyes where most cartoons in the 80s didn't blink if they did it was very minimal they tried to keep it up they did a lot of good smooth transitions when they when especially jake was turning to look at something it was just impressive. I, I was really, <laughs> I was having to relearn the cartoon because yeah. I re- I completely spaced everything but the car. But once I saw them, especially when they got into their, you know, let's go Ghostbusters and go, went up to the change mm-hmm. room, completely everything came back. I remembered that they had to go on the conveyor. I remember them uh-huh. uh, getting thrown into the little spider web that changed them around. Yeah. Um, yeah, Eddie being all shy there. Yeah, and then getting the boot, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Uh, that all came right back to me. It was, I don't know, it was uh, it was almost Christmas all over again in a way. <laughs> it was actually pretty cool. Yeah, the, it was fun. You know, the, the story starts out with, uh, you know, the sons learning the family trade of ghost busting from the dads. 
I thought that was just fun in it of itself. They're, you know, passing on to the next generation. And I'm assuming the, you know, the original show didn't have the sons. It was just the dad. So to kind of pass the torch from the 70s show here in the 80s to the animated show, I thought that was just a fun transition to somebody that may or may not have watched the original show, you know. Uh, but the first episode, just what I kind of took away was they packed a lot into just that first 20 minutes mm-hmm. of you're getting to see the environment. Well, you get to see some of the gadgets to start off, and then you get to go to Ghost Command. You meet all the characters there, the telephone and the television and the other little nuances around there. And then you get to see – well, they. it was funny that they – they found the manual, right? And they said, I think at one time, they had never been opened. So whatever the dads knew, I guess they just kind of learned on their own or something. But right. they had this whole manual, and that's when they found the transformation room and the ghost buggy and all this stuff. So, And I guess maybe even discovering time travel. But I thought that was maybe a little bit of a stretch that the dads didn't know that there was a you know, a ghost buggy in the garage. <laughs> That's what I thought when, when they're saying, Oh, I bet dad doesn't even know about this. Well, yeah. How do they not know about it? They're supposed to be there. Right. So then where did the ghost buggy come from? If they didn't know it was there, how long? And he's pissed off that he got woken up at the, you know, when <laughs> Tracy jumps in. So, well, yeah. And I understand that Tracy is not like, uh, just speak normal English. He's got his own little vocabulary and he knows a few words here and there. Okie dokie and no okie dokie. But um, yeah, if he invented everything, he should have somehow showed them everything that he (laughs) came up with. But, you know, that's kind of petty and you wouldn't really pick up on that as a kid. But um, I just thought that there was a bunch that they they really uncovered and just showing off everything and... Even the characters, uh, Primeval, and then the uh, his crew, all came up in that first episode. So it was fun, and then the whole time travel to get the, you know, pieces of the puzzle was basically the the rest of the episodes. They go back to the uh, medieval time with Camelot and King Arthur to take on Sir Trancelot, who was you know kind of set out by Primeval. To uh, I think he he must have I think he gave him a clue or he had part of the tablet or something. Yeah, he did. Uh, I'm trying to remember, but uh, yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I did find that funny with a couple of times when Prime Evil's like, uh, "We're gonna have to go back to the 1980s and do this and that." And I was like, "Yeah, you guys have been watching uh, Back to the Future, haven't you, or something?" <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, so it was fun just going to some of these locations. That, you know, they're at Stonehenge in the second episode here to meet up with uh, King Arthur, and that's where they finally meet up with the uh, with Merlin and his little buddy there that give him the the special power to use it a full moon. I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, can only use it during a full moon. Well, lucky it's a full moon when we get to use it in this in the yeah. last episode. <laughs> but. Uh, it was fun. Like he was, you know, learning the ropes and he steals for, or borrows his sword, you know, Excalibur. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of a lesson that they, 
they did infuse into the story. It wasn't necessarily at the end of the show and reflecting back, but they told uh, once they he screwed up the sword and I can't remember how they got it back. They managed to straighten it out, you know. <laughs> they get him back and they make him tell the truth to King Arthur and that's when he makes him a full-fledged wizard. So that was fun. And then we, from there, we went to Egypt in the third episode. That's where we basically get to enter a castle and we get mm-hmm. uh, the ghost bug- buggy or GB wants to avoid ghosts. <laughs> and then yeah. we get Trancelot introduces them to his pet Sparky the dragon. That was an interesting character. Yeah, I recognized the like the sounds, those are the same kind of sounds they use for all the creatures in Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that hit me right away. Uh, Fuddy the wizard tries to use a sword, but it doesn't work. And then we got Jake who uses GB's water cannon to save them all, which is interesting. <laughs> You'd think they used the you know, dematerializer or something, but they yeah. The water cannon. Yeah, that was, I don't know. It, it was fun that the ghost buggy has several different features other than just going back and forth between the like time travel mode and the regular buggy, you know, that's it. Then Jake uses the GB to la- yeah, Lance trance a lot and get the tablet. Then Tracy fixes a sword and Jake makes him fess up. That was just with the, the wizard making him fess up to King Arthur there at the end. And then we finally, we get over to, Egypt as they that this was part of it too you know Tracy's the inventor of all the gadgets and stuff and he invented or came up with this little gadget to help them track the tablet pieces and so that's how they're knowing somehow it's indicating it's in these places it almost seemed like Jake and this was kind of one of the 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 downsides to the episode but Jake seemed to be all knowing he was like, oh, the next piece is in Egypt or the next piece is in wherever, you know, the, the beginning of civilization. Um, but there was really never any explanation on how he came up with all these locations. And I guess it was like Tracy's little tablet tracer or whatever he came up with there. But that was kind of a stretch, I guess, to to tie the, the show well, together. Kind of is because what type of electronic anything magnetism or anything that would have been in those tablets obviously we're we're reaching because we're adults as a kid we'd be like oh that's pretty cool they can find the pieces (laughs) yeah but it was a it was what i remember it was a good episode but there were minor things like 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 you said you have Mm -hmm. tracy finding the tablets um the sword being fixed i i tomato you know type of thing but i guess that moves us on to the next yeah so yeah we're in uh so from egypt there we know they have that little path through the pyramid there Uh, eddie finds that secret room he puts on this little pharaoh costume (laughs) and then the locals think he's like this some pharaoh and uh, a story that is a pretty big trope through uh, cartoons back in the 80s. This is where they meet up with uh, Primeval's clan Apparitia and Airhead, who is the mummy. That was, I don't know. The mummy character wasn't 
was probably my least favorite of <laughs> of them all. He's trying to make jokes, and then he's like, "Oh, Airhead, make joke." <laughs> you know, that was a. I don't know. That was just a weird character to me. But they they capture Tracy. This was interesting. The the cliffhanger where they uh, are trying to turn him into like a three thousand year old mummy at the end, and he's starting to age. Mm-hmm. You know, and Apparitia puts this like spell on him or something. I can't remember exactly, but um, that was just a fun little cliffhanger right there, where Tracy's starting to get all gray and white. Yeah. And they have to come in and Jake and Futura, they trick Airhead and they rescue Tracy to, and they, as he's getting, gets out of that room where she cast that spell, then he goes back to his normal age, but they end up, uh, skiing down the pyramid there and they find Eddie and the, the Sphinx like comes to life through this like magic scepter to, to get the ghosts to leave them. They get the other piece of the tablet and they head back to the beginning of time, I think is what they say. Um, Primeval is watching and tells them that they're going to be sorry they meet up with the ghost of the missing link. It was this weird character, almost like an ogre, like oversized ogre. I think it was like part animal, part human, whatever. Um, (laughs) And Tracy and the ghost buggy, they all them, they run into this primitive caveman. They call him Unga. <laughs> Tracy and him are talking back and forth. I thought that was funny that they kind of speak yeah. their own, their same language, uh, how they did that. But they, this was a fun episode. They encountered dinosaur ghosts and, you know, the pterodactyl is the one that grabs them and they take him back to the, the missing links like area there of the world. And he puts them in this like cave, uh, jail, <laughs> I guess you could say, where it's surrounded by this river of lava, and they're kind of trapped in there, and they don't have their backpacks. He takes their backpacks off. <laughs> so Tracy's without all of his gadgets, and they're kind of stuck there as that episode ends, and we get into the the last episode, which kind of wraps everything back up. And that's where we see Unga, who is on the very first bicycle, <laughs> he, he comes to the rescue. That, that was, was a crude, but actually kind of comical bike. <laughs> I I couldn't help but think of like Fred or or uh, Barney riding that to work or something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but anyway, he gets their backpacks returned, and then we see Tracy using balloons for them to travel across the lava river. That was actually a pretty cool, yeah, little invention of all the things to have in your backpack you know i'll just blow up these balloons and we'll sail away (laughs) and then we have tracy saving unga from the missing link and jake using the excalibur to destroy a mountain uh on top of the missing link yeah it's actually pretty cool yeah that was fun and they incorporated that that's how the excalibur got into the rock that uh king arthur discovers you know centuries later (laughs) right Here's where I thought was kind of iffy, but anyway, we got Primeval choosing to take Haunt Quarters to attack them. So it's like the big, huge battleship now to go get to the Ghostbusters. And then we have Primeval, his ghosts appear with the headquarters and capture all the Ghostbusters. 
And yeah, then that was that pretty he easy. Has the last piece of the tablet. All the, the whole time he had it. It was funny how they, you know, and I understand what they're doing here with this last episode. They're trying to create the drama and get the Ghostbusters captured. But finally, all of his henchmen are doing what they were told to do and capturing them pretty easily, you know. <laughs> right. It was actually pretty, pretty, I guess, interesting. But it was, I guess, for a moment, even though it's only 22 minutes, for a moment, I'm thinking, that, well, geez, they could have ended the whole series by this little this little episode where they yeah. capture all the Ghostbusters, but but it uh, was convenient. We'll put it that way. It was yeah. very convenient in the way that they got them and and put them all together. And why don't they just go after them to begin with instead of this whole tablet shenanigans? You know, <laughs> right? And the funny part is they he finds this tablet that's been in the cave where he was at a hundred years. So I guess if you have a hundred years to walk around a sell essentially <laughs> eventually you might find something yeah um, yeah i didn't I, I didn't understand that either it, i i guess it was him that put it the tablet together but i don't know it, it seemed a little eccentric to do all of that just to get him to where they're just going to go back and capture him you know right. why just do that eliminate the whole tablet thing and just go back and do what you're trying to do that's it anyway but nonetheless, Primeval planned to turn them into ghosts with the Bone Troller. Mm-hmm. But Jake calls upon Fuddy, but turns him invisible instead of invincible. <laughs> and uh, then Jake sneaks over to the Bone Troller and tries to reverse the ghost effects. And then he grabs the last piece and rigs the Bone Troller to go to the future. And that's where we have Jake also figuring out that the tablet and the shape in the cave, they lo- they were locked in uh, there with uh, Primeval. Yeah. This was probably my favorite part, other than the first episode with all, you know, just discovering everything and meeting all the characters. But at the end here, when they're, the Ghostbusters get back to what they're doing and start busting all of the ghosts mm-hmm. and showing off all of the gadgets that they have and... Uh, you know, there was one with like a rope. There's the one, the, the gummer that shoots yep. the sticky stuff, you know, it was all, it's almost like uh hunting equipment and then they've got the dematerializer there. So once they capture them in the trap, the gum or the rope or whatever, they use the dematerializer to zap them to mm-hmm. the fifth dimension. That's so, it. yeah. And it was fun kind of wrapping it up at the end too. Cause they, that was the what they said in the first episode with the reporter girl coming by and not believing in ghosts. And they set up this interview for them to bust a ghost on TV and she kind of brushes it off. It's not going to happen. And that actually finished that off at the end of the fifth episode here, busting scared stiff on live TV, (laughs) (laughs) which all it does. He just breaks apart and then gets vanished. Right. So, uh, what was some of your favorite and maybe least favorite characters as you're watching this miniseries? Well, I, you know, I'm the car guy, so I like GB, but out of the actual characters, I, I actually had fun with Jake because he was, he seemed to have the, I guess, wherewithal, the leadership, Mm -hmm. even though they're new, he really kind of took the 
the leadership role and went with it, I I realized as a cartoon. Yeah. Just the way it was written, I thought it was actually kind of cool. I guess the least favorite character, I kind of thought Bratterat was a freaking annoying because he's oh yeah, <laughs> hey boss. <laughs> that whole, yeah. I mean, it just got to me. <laughs> just the, the whole annoying, especially <laughs> at the beginning. It was kind of the clue the very first episode when he gets trapped in there. I'm gonna be here. Yeah, I got someone to talk to. Oh no. <laughs> no. Yeah, they set him up right in. Yeah. And in, in doing that, he's kind of the annoying little sidekick, the the uh, Igor, you know, to Dr. Frankenstein. Right. Kind of a thing. But, yeah, I liked uh, Ghost Buggy, too. I, I He was probably my favorite. Just He's got a, the best one-liners probably out of all of them uh, throughout those five episodes. And the crush on the other vehicle there, I don't know. I just thought he was great. And... Jake, yeah, um, he's obviously the leader. He's got the ghost sense, you know, the twitching nose, <laughs> kind of like uh, Peter Parker's spider sense, you know. I thought that I thought he was fun, and I, you know, just thinking back and and talking with people over podcasts and whatever online, and how much that they every time you talk about the filmation, go, oh, that's the one with the gorilla, right? Yeah, that would have probably turned that off as a kid or whatever. <laughs> uh, just cause there's no gorilla in you know, the, the other ghostbusters, but I, I don't know. Tracy, I thought was going to be annoying to me, but I, it wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad to put it that way. And just the, uh, his mannerisms, the okie dokie and his little own little ape language, you know, it is very convenient that he's got whatever they need in his backpack, but uh, he was okay. We'll put it that way. And, and <laughs> all the other little gadgets and stuff in Ghost Command were just fun to me. I liked them a lot. Um, like I said, the least favorite is probably the airhead mummy character. Just didn't, I don't know, seem over the top stupid and just trying to crack his little jokes. I don't know. It didn't connect with me very well. But for the most part, you know, there's there's a lot of fun characters. Some may not be that likable, but I didn't think there was any that were just horrible, you know, either. Uh, I liked most of the villains, and like I said before, they're just fun and colorful. And, yeah, some are a takeoff of other characters, but it still seemed to be their own, like, fresh spin. Well, fresh for 1986. <laughs> <laughs> so... Like I said, you know, the Jake, his knowledge of everything was a little much. It's kind of like an overall dislike with it. But for the most part, it was great. And I really liked the time travel. I thought the time travel was just a fun element. And I do. I'm going to have to go back and watch some more episodes. Or when I am looking for something uh, to just catch an episode here or there, I need some 80s cartoons. I, I am going to go back and. And check some out. So, overall, I guess, what was your... Did you have any other, like, likes or dislikes about the show? I'll be honest. I I wasn't a fan of Tracy. I liked that he had the gadget knowledge and building stuff. But I got really tired easily of the... Oogie doogie. No, oogie doogie. (laughs) Just... That was just too... I wasn't expecting him to talk, obviously. But Mm. if he's 
walking around just like a regular adult, a human, I was hoping there'd be more to him than, than what he had. And it's just that very little vocabulary mm. and I, that was just getting to me. Um, likes, man, I liked it all. I liked, I, I liked seeing primeval and, and him, especially when he tried to say the name, just the, the hilarity of the ghost. Busters. I mean, that was <laughs> comical to me seeing him go, you know, the circuitry, just he'd sizzle every time he get mm, mad at get red and yeah, they start like steaming and <laughs> I like the reuse of the stuff. I, I guess because I get it from a because you're hand drawing that all. It's not computers like we have today. Mm-hmm. Not that I know how animation works better, any better than on computers than on pencil, but I would think with the advent of all this animation software, it's easy. You build a character and tell it to go A to B and you can maneuver Mm. it far quicker than, okay, now I got to do this to make sure it flips and animates correctly. So Mm. I get that. But to me, the whole animation was ahead of his time because you got to see them blink their eyes. You got to see, you know, the primeval little, stance that he does yeah um, yeah he, he saw that a lot yes uh yeah uh, and then the little yeah um, but just, yeah like like we said before though i'm sorry to interrupt but filmation to think about yes they do have the shortcuts and maybe that is a criticism but most of their shows pumped out all of these episodes like 65 episodes of this show yep and you know we're here reviewing five of them but we still kind of determine this as one of those uh, shows that missed us, that was only on for a, a season, one season, but still somehow filmation with their style and with reusing the, the footage in, in different ways managed to get 65 episodes out of yeah, this. Yeah. So it's that was, I think, when I think about filmation, that's the most impressive thing. Because a lot of these, like, you know, even like Hanna-Barbera and some of those other shows that we've, even you think of Pole Position, 13 episodes. And that was only meant to run on Saturday mornings. I get that. But this was a new concept to run in syndication. You're hitting the kids five days a week instead of one day a week on Saturday. And to get this many episodes out in the time frame that they did, I thought was just, man... It, oh, way yeah. ahead of its time. I, I agree. And uh, that's where, you know, I, I liked it. I was up to, like I said, I think episode 20 or so. Mm-hmm. And it was just impressive. I, I was really getting into the cartoon. I think I stopped because I'm running out of time to go to bed yeah. <laughs> to work. But uh, it was great. And that's why, you know, we, we kind of end these episodes with a rating. And that's why I would say we discover this. Don't leave this one in the past. So, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. how I feel. No, well, I kind of hinted at it, and you can probably guess by just our our takes overall that, yeah, definitely go back and rediscover this one. Give it a chance. Uh, if you're a hardcore Ghostbusters fan, and I mean the, the films and the real Ghostbusters, that world, this is fun. This is a real okay. fun show. Um, it is different. You're going to get more than just the, you know, the proton packs and the streams. You get all these fun little gadgets. 
you get a car that's still cool that can transform and you know you got the time travel element as well in these shows so there's a lot added to this that you don't get necessarily in the regular the the other ghostbusters i know there's some time travel and and fun characters involved in the real ghostbusters series i've gone back and watched some of those so i know you get some of that element there in the character designs and uh, the, you know all the monsters and stuff that come along the ghosts but you get that as well over here with the filmation ghostbusters and it was fun i thought it was a a fun show and like i said i'm anxious i'm, I'm i am going to keep watching the series and check out episodes from time to time so so this was fun man this was a this was a good pick i'm glad oh, yeah. we we landed on this list, uh... See what next we are going to encounter. Actually, yeah. we typically follow this afterwards because we have to do the research to see what we're going <laughs> to talk about next. Right. And I think we are up to a movie next, I think. I'm trying That's to remember. Right. Yeah, because we typically go, I think it's tune, movie, then a TV show, and then back to a tune. Yeah, we'll yeah. To, actually, we'll, I think we did. Uh, I think we did TV first. That was our first episode, and then we did uh, TV back around on episode four, which was Street Hawk. And now we're cartoons. So now we're up to a movie. I think we're doing a movie next. Okay. So we'll go through our movie list. Uh, this should be an easier watch than you know watching multiple episodes. Uh, still about probably the same time frame, hour and a half to two hours total, but. We've got a long list there. Any you want us to uh, to go back and rediscover, please obviously leave us the, the feedback at RD80s at InfamousWB over there on Twitter. That's the easiest way to find us. And uh, we'd also love your ratings on the Rediscover the 80s podcast and any feedback you want to leave us, uh, you know, all the normal places on social media, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, all those places. So this is fun, man. This is fun. I'm, I'm anxious to get back in this groove and start watching some more stuff. Oh, yes. And like Jason said, this has been a, a great time rediscovering a lot of classics uh, to include the Ghostbusters, the Filmation Ghostbusters to be specific. And again, we welcome your comments, your feedbacks, your suggestions on our social media and rediscover the80s.com and until next time keep rediscovering thanks for listening to rediscovered right here on the rediscover the 80s podcast feed find our show notes at rediscover the80s.com and watch our recording sessions on the rediscover the 80s youtube channel theme music provided by bart graft visit bartgraft.bandcamp.com for more retro wave music Join us again next time as we review more TV, movies, and animation from the 80s, right here on Rediscovered. Ghostbusters, a zany, action-packed comedy adventure from the producers of He-Man. A brand new 65-episode series that will score a hit with parents and children alike. Let's go, Buster. 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 Let
Great work, partner. That's for being big enough to admit you were wrong about Headless. And that's for teaching him that it's much more fun to make people laugh than to frighten them. Filmation's Ghostbusters, produced entirely in Hollywood. The competition doesn't stand a ghost of a chance. <laughs> Let's go Ghostbusters!